Uh, if you have a Bible, please turn to Exodus chapter 20. We are going through the Tender Commandments, and uh, it is essentially seeing the Ten Commandments from the heart of God the Father for us and His love for us and seeing His care and His uh, mercy and His guidance in those Ten Commandments. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, take my hat off. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us here as a church. And I pray now you'd help us to open our eyes, open our ears, and open the eyes and ears of our hearts as we listen to what you would have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says this, honor your You guys knew this one already. Right? This is the one verse you got memory. You might not know where it was, but you honor your honor and your. Mother. Now, now, many of you know that, right? And you think it stops right there, but it actually keeps going. That your may be in the which I am giving to you. Which <laughs> I forgot the Lord your God. But anyway, <clears throat> yeah, where's the where's the God? <laughs> Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. At first glance, when you look at a command like this, doesn't everybody want to say, duh, God, does this really have to be in here? I mean, yes, honor your parents. You know, that's something that we're, you know, we, we, we hopefully start doing at a very young age. Why is God throwing this in here? Why is he being so redundant with what seems like such an obvious command? Not everybody does it, yeah. But the second thing is, some, for some of us, it can be very, very hard to honor a father and mother who are as imperfect as we are, where there may be some hurt, some pain, some abuse. Maybe they played favorites. Maybe there was neglect. Maybe they forgot about you. At some point, point as we get older we learn the horrific truth that our parents are human beings and capable of making mistakes just like us and it can be hard to honor when you have such an eyewitness view of all of their mistakes but God has an important reason as to why he would put this first of all because he knew the enemy would come after this to divide a child from his parents, to divide a daughter from her mom, to divide a son from his father. That's a classic tactic of the enemy. And so by God inserting this here, he is bringing our awareness to something that can be swept under the rug very easily and be there and stay there for far too long. And that is when we have animosity toward a parent. And animosity turns into bitterness. And so God says, honor your father and your mother. <clears throat> I, uh, in, in my personal experience, this is a bit easy for me uh, because my father and mother stayed together. They were with me all my life. My mom had cancer, so she wasn't with me for a year or so of my life, but she's still there now. And we're, you know, so for me, uh, this is a command that may come a little easier. But for the pastor who I used to serve back in Tacoma, uh, I, I remember once I 
was I was listening to one of his sermons. I mean, I, I listened to every sermon, you know. Uh, so, you know, just like you do, right? I mean, you listen. None of you have your phones out. None of you are checking the football scores. No, 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 no. Now, look at now. Now I've implanted temptation into some of you, right? I can tell you, you know. So this particular time, he was talking about his experience of his father. And I don't know why. It just perked my attention in a real big way. Because for him, my former pastor met his dad for the first time when he was 55 years old. And I remember him saying, he wasn't there to play catch with me. He wasn't there to comfort me when I was sad. He wasn't there to encourage me when I felt down. He wasn't there when I was struggling in those first years of puberty and my mom didn't know how to make sense of it all. He wasn't there on my first date. When I graduated from high school, when I married my wife and when I went to college, he wasn't there. In fact, my mother never spoke of him. My family never spoke of him. It was as if he was the man who never was. And all of a sudden, one of my daughters found him years later and encouraged me to go and to see him. And I resisted. I didn't see the point of it when I was 55. And then he said, how I realized so much how I needed to see my father so that I could fulfill this, so that I could honor him and be released from the years of wondering about the man who never was. The father who never was. And so this morning we're talking a lot about being released from any of the animosity or bitterness that can, I don't want to say sometimes take place, a lot of times take place between parents and children and children who become parents toward their parents. Now, of course, you know, we, we leave it to the Apostle Paul. What should a parent be, right? Uh, he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12, Paul says, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Look at this. Encouraging. Oh, that's great. You know, comfort, comforting. That's even better. Urging you to live lives worthy of God. Man, ain't it great to have a cheerleader in your corner saying, man, God's got a plan for you. Go for God's best. He's, you've got greatness in you. God's going to anoint your life for something. Go for it. This is what Paul's talking about. He says, we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children. What he should have said, as a father should deal with his children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom in glory. Listen to me. Listen to me real closely. There's something I have learned. The only thing better than having a father or a mother like that is being a father or a mother like that. It is better. Everything I ever wanted from my parents, that's all great. But man, I get it 10 times returned when I am that way toward my children. 
the only thing better than having a father who is a comforter and encourager and a cheerleader to get you into doing God's best is to be that father or mother. And by the way, it's not just for my own children. God has not called us to exist for our own families. That my children are doing great is great, but my children theologically are me. My wife theologically is me. God has called us to love and serve others. So the only thing better about having a father or mother that invests that into our lives is to be that father or mother to all of the lonely, broken people that God brings into our lives. Whether it's a friend, coworker, that annoying neighbor boy down the street, being that father or mother to them is part of the healing in receiving what we didn't receive. Think about it. Maybe you were growing up and you didn't receive a lot of encouragement. Then my, and I believe the Lord's charge to you is then become an encourager. Maybe you didn't receive a lot of comfort. Then become a comforter. Maybe you didn't receive a lot of mentorship or coaching or guiding in your life as to what you should do. Then become a coach or a mentor or a guide. Maybe you didn't have a lot of discipline. And you look back now and realize, man, if somebody would have cared enough to tell me no and give me a curfew, maybe I wouldn't have ruined 15 years of my life. Then become a disciplinary in love. Maybe you didn't receive love. Maybe there was neglect. Maybe there was abuse. Then become a lover. And finally, maybe like my pastor, your mom or dad just wasn't there. Then be there. Be there every moment you can because life is a vapor. We are gone here and gone before you realize some of my greatest friends now are people in their 70s and 80s. And when I talk to them, they tell me how quickly it goes by and that these are days that'll never come again to make the most of each moment, not waiting for that mythical day when you'll have time to love your kids or to love your wife or to love your family or to love the people God's brought in your life. If we're waiting for that mythical day, we will wait until our dying breath, realizing we missed the opportunity. So what Paul, what's Paul saying? Become that which you didn't receive. The only thing better than getting it is by becoming it. Amen? <clears throat> now, it may be natural to think if you've had, you know, if you suffered some abuse with your mom or your dad, it's natural to think, you know what? This commandment probably doesn't apply to me. I mean, you know, I, God knows the, you know, the, 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 just the horrible things I went through with my own parents. And I, I think that I probably qualify to get a pass on this one because there's absolutely nothing to honor about parents who may be abusive or abandoned or are, are very hurtful or unhealthy. But the fact is, this counts for all of us. There is no pass in this. There is no exceptions. God says, honor your father and mother because the command is not against us. The command is for us. And we'll see in a moment why. 
In fact, it's so important to God that he even repeated this command in the New Testament. God doesn't repeat every one of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament, but this one is specifically called out in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, where Paul reminds his, uh, the people who are reading his letter, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? A long, blessed life in the land that God is giving you. God's giving you land, provision, place to live, things to live with, things that'll keep you alive, and long life. Well, of course, a lot of us, if you're like me, you think, okay, all right, Tom, maybe you could convince me that this is the right thing to do, even though I've had a horrible mom and dad. And you know what? There, someday, I'm sure I will be ready to do it but I am just not ready to do it today. I have said that so many times. <laughs> you know how many times I've said, you know what? Today is the day I'm going to start my diet, you know? And then I get a call. Hey, they're giving away free donuts at Krispy Kremes, you know? You know what? I'm just going to go get some Krispy Kremes. I'll repent later. You know I mean? That's, you know, that's I mean, how, you know, that if we're waiting for that mythical day to do what we know that God's called us to do, we will be waiting and waiting and waiting. And the fact of the matter is, is that mythical day will be just that a myth. God says, today is the day. Take that first step right now. Because if we don't, God says, we could actually live with something worse than whatever the abuse or the abandonment or the hurt was trying to to produce in us because the fact of the matter is when bitterness takes root in our hearts it affects our relationships it affects our work it affects our judgment believe me it affects our decision making it affects our finances it affects our marriage but most importantly it affects our kids they may not be able to see it at first even pastors may not see it at first counselors may not see it at first but give it enough time, bitterness will grow into a dark, ugly goblin inside our heart, waiting to burst at any moment. And God wants to protect us from these self-destructive thoughts right here and now. So he will not let our bitter feelings just go on indefinitely toward our parents. For a son or a daughter who forgives from the heart toward their own parents will themselves be better parents toward their children. About 10, actually about 12 years ago, because this was just after I had moved from Seattle to, to, to Federal Way, Tacoma, Tacoma. And I was just meeting people from my new church, and I'd really, I, I, I'd met, made a good friend, someone I watch football games with. And I remember I went over to his house for a birthday party, and when I showed up, you know, it's one of those things where my wife is like, yeah, all the husbands are going to be there. And, of course, I show up, and it's all moms and kids, you know. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's no greater torture. Than the, no, I'm just kidding. You know? <laughs> Ladies, I love you. It's always, you know. And so, but, but, the, but, the husband, but the father was there. The husband was there. So I was like, okay, you know, we were good friends, and, you know, we'll, we'll hang out. And, and it's a kid's birthday party, you know, and. We didn't know, we, didn't, we were just new, so we didn't know anybody very well, but I knew him well enough, and, and all of a sudden he tells me, oh yeah, I'm heading to work. I'm like, dude, it's after, Sunday after church, you work in, I think it was like real estate or mortgage, 
It was, uh, no, it wasn't any of those. It was um, like, like in the land office for the county or something like that. I'm thinking, are they really open on Sunday? And so I follow him out to the garage. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't leave. He's like, why? I said, it's your kid's birthday party. Oh, he'll be fine. This is more of a woman's thing anyway. It ain't fine. Your kid's gonna, he's gonna be in my office 20 years from now praying about this because you weren't at his birthday party. He's, he's like breaking out the pastor card, huh, you know? And I'm like, yes, I love the sound of that. So, so I mean, we start getting into it in the garage. Now, you might say Tom was a part of it. You didn't want the only dude at the party to leave. That might have been part of it. So all of you who are thinking that, there's a percentage of that that's true. But an even greater percentage of it was, dude, your kid wants you at, your birthday, at his birthday party. He wants dad to be there. I mean, if you're an over-the-road trucker and you've got to be gone for five days, that's one thing. But, I mean, you don't, you don't have to go. Stay. And I remember just thinking to myself, you know, these are the kinds of things that begin, begin to develop the bitterness. We begin to choose our time. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? My dad was never at any of my stuff. It'll be fine, Tom. I turned out okay. And I remember thinking in the years later, that was something important, he said. His comeback to me was, well, my dad never came to my parties. So why are you busting my chops over being at my own son's? Bitterness can become a cycle and a cycle and a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. And God's saying with this commandment, I want to break the cycle so that you have a long and blessable life. Because bitterness is the wall that keeps all the blessings of God out. Self-destructive thoughts is the wall that keeps all of the blessing of God out. Don't believe the, the weird preachers who tell you that you know, God can do everything. There are some things God can He will not force his blessing on anybody. We have to clear out the gunk sometimes to receive him. And so a child who becomes a parent who is free from bitterness may also be able to be as parents, parents who tend to foster a lack of bitterness in their own children. I know some of you might say, then does God just close his eyes? I mean, does God just close his eyes to all this stuff that happened to me when I was a kid? Does God just close his eyes that my mom wasn't there or my dad wasn't there or it would have been better if they weren't because they're so bad? Not at all. In fact, if God is saying anything, his eye is, ab- is, is, is definitely upon defenseless children. In fact, you know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12? He said, it'd be better if you were drowned in the depths of the sea than if you screw up the life of a kid. That's what he says. So that does not go beyond God's heart at all. In fact, if I could say anything, the grace and the mercy and the favor that I see poured out on kids who suffered from abuse. I mean, it's amazing to see God's justice when we walk out those hurts in the right way. I mean, they just soar into the, into the heavens. They, they live in, in, in such an incredible way that I may not ever understand because I don't have that. I've never had to be healed from that because I've had my mom and dad in my life. God's eyes are wide open to everything that's ever happened to us. And he knows if we take the opposite of this command, honor your father and mother. But for some of you, it's okay to dishonor them, hate them, 
be bitter, be mad, be angry. Oh, you'll be so blessed if you do that. God's saying, no, no, no. Learn how to honor. And so how are some ways to honor? I'm going to give you two this morning. First one, and there's more, but here's the first one. Love them by spending time with them. You love someone when you spend time with that someone. Now, you may be saying, uh, I don't really care to spend time with my parents because, man, every time I'm around them, they just make me feel so miserable about myself. Well, that may be true. And honoring your father and mother, especially if they're negative, may be a hard thing to do. But God doesn't just call us to do the easy things. Sometimes God calls us to do the hard things as well. But there's something else at play here. God is saying two wrongs will not make a right. They may have hurt you. You hurting them back keeps you locked up in the past with pain and bitterness, unforgiveness and anger. And it blocks any sort of blessed future that God wants to give us. And so God says, love them by giving them time. Go and see them no matter how hard it may be. Now, if there is destructive abuse, and I've met with some people where being with their father or mother would not be a safe thing for them to do. And I get that. Uh, and I understand some of you may be working with a therapist in order to take some steps just to be in the same room with your father or mother. Take those steps, work with that therapist, keep, keep on those steps toward forgiveness. Uh, but for some of you, I understand it flat out may not be an option for you to be in their presence. They may not even be here anymore on earth, but for the ones who are, it might not be the best idea. Here would be my advice for you. Write them a letter. Write them a letter. Tell them how great God's been in your life. Some of the great things he's doing in your life. The encouragement you've received from Jesus. And how you're thankful that they gave you life. Nothing else they did that to be able to enjoy the goodness God has given you. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> you know, it's... Uh, it's... Uh, it's funny because, you know, as kids, it's very easy to say to mom or dad, I love you. You know, you know when my kids were little squirts, oh, I'd walk through the door and I'd hear, daddy's home. You know, they'd run and they'd grab onto my leg. You know, I love you, daddy. You know, I mean, just, it's just so when they're kids like that, of course, I'd take them up. They'd sloppy wet kiss me all over the place, you know, and, and I'd be, oh, I love you, boys. You know, it, it just seems so appropriate when they're little and they're kids. But something happens when we get older where it's like, oh, that, that's baby stuff. You know, we have to get any, we don't have to get so mushy anymore, you know? Whatever. <laughs> Arnita's giving me the stink eye. Like, yeah, you're going to hate this story. So one time, a few, few months ago, uh, my, my oldest boy is, is 12 now. And uh, he's so affectionate and he loves to hug. He hugs on his mom all the time. He hugs on his dad all the time doesn't hug his brothers, but that's okay. You know, they, 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 they <laughs> no, he does hug his brothers, but <laughs> there's, there's the, anyway, we'll move past that. So, so one day he's coming out of school and I see all his buddies around and he drops his book bag and he runs up and he gives me a big hug. And for some reason, I freaked out. 
I'm looking at his friends, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want his friends to make fun of him. So I just kind of go, not now, Johnny, not now, Johnny. And I, I kind of step back, and I do this. You know. I, hold on. It gets better. It gets worse. <laughs> and, and I looked at him, and I said, I said man, I said, oh, we, we probably shouldn't do this in front of your friends. I don't want you to get made fun of. You know what he, you know what he said to me? I don't care what they think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what they think. And I'm thinking to myself, who's got the issues here? <laughs> you know? My son, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, and I'm realizing, you know, I grew up in that tough guy world, that tough guy image that, you know, you don't hug, you know, you, you just walk around growling at everybody because you're just the toughest guy in the world, you know, and, and that's the world I grew up in. And even at my age, it is hard to shed that because it's been so sown in me. And when he looked at me, I don't care. I don't care what they think. And I, I remember thinking to myself, man, from now on, I'm, I'm the one that learned that day. I'm never going to do that again. He runs up, gives me a, in fact, I'm going to run. Yeah, you guys are like, our pastor is healed. Amen. <laughs> But what's interesting is it works both ways, doesn't it? Because for some of you who are parents and you have sons or daughters that are older, or maybe you're a son or daughter with older parents, I tell you, it feels good to hear them say, I love you, doesn't it? I told my mom once recently that I loved her. She started crying on the phone. Never, I never realized sometimes that she still needs to hear that. That, that that feels good for a mama to hear. One time, uh, I have three sons. Two of them are very vocal and affectionate. One is, a, is, is fine. He's just, not, he's just not very vocal about it. Doesn't talk about his feelings, you know. Doesn't need affirmation. He's not like me. You know, he, he's so level-headed, and it's just like even keel and balanced. He's everything, and it's just like Tanya, yeah. He's everything I wish I could be, you know. <laughs> and so I don't know if it was a moment or insecurity or what, but I, he's just never, I, I couldn't ever remember him saying, I love you, Dad. And so I don't maybe I was fishing for it. I'm not sure, but I, I, I was talking to we were sitting down once, and I said, you know, I said, son, I said, are you proud to be a knacky? Are you proud to be a knacky? Are you proud to be my son? And uh, he just kind of looked down. <laughs> Who's this guy, you know? What's his insecurity problem, you know? He kind of looked down, and he didn't say anything. It was like 10 seconds of awkward silence. So I quickly changed the subject, and he went, great. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we both kind of changed the subject, and and... And, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because in my heart, in my heart, I was wounded. And, and I, I even talked to my wife about something. She's like, you know, you gotta, you gotta let, they love you. You got to let that go. You know, you got to quit, quit asking, you know, and let that go. <laughs> but in my heart, I was wounded. And, and, you know, I mean, what parent doesn't want your kid to say, man, there's no dad in the world like you, you know, right? There's just, you're the best, you know. And, 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 but I didn't get that that day. I was kind of hurt by it. 
So I, but the good, the great thing about being a guy is I forgot about it. <laughs> life went on, football games came, you know, nachos. I mean, you know, just, you know, totally lost thought of it. And I really did lose thought of it for a long time. I, I can't tell you how long, but a long time. And uh, finally, one day, it was my birthday. I, I don't think it was my actual birthday. It was just the day that me and my family were celebrating my birthday. It was this year. And uh, for some reason, I had been with my kids all day. And I, I, I think, I, I can't remember if I picked them up from school or whatever, but I had them with me, and I'm doing a bunch of church stuff. You know, I dropped off some food for a family, and I went and bought some food cards to give away, and, and I was finishing up my sermon, and I prayed for a few people over the phone. Just a typical day in the life of a pastor. Nothing really special about it other than they saw what I do, and, that, and that's what I was doing. And, and finally that night, we were, having, uh, we were having dinner and all that, and I, I remember saying, you know what, you guys, I'm really thankful, because we go around and we say what we're thankful for, and I don't know why, but I just said this before they started. I said, I know that daddy works a lot of nights and weekends. That's the life of pastoring. It's a lot of nights and weekends. You're gone a lot. I said, there's, I know there's nothing that can bring the time back, but I am so thankful for the grace you guys show me for being able to do, let me do what God's called me to do. And I said, you know, I get it. As a dad, I mean, as a son, you probably wanted your dad to be an astronaut, you know. You wanted your dad to be a pro football player, you know. At the least, you wanted your dad to be rich, right? You know, come on, you know. That always helps, you know. I mean, I, I said, I know there's, <laughs> there's probably, if you could make a list of things you'd want for a dad, you probably would want pastor is one of them. And I said, I get that. I said, but I thank you for, you know, just being there for me. And, and as we went around, it came to this one son who, and he said, dad, you're my hero. Do you remember that, Tonya? He, he said, dad, you're my hero. I'm so proud to be your son. Oh my gosh, I mean, I held it together there, but man, I excused myself and I just broke. It felt so good. It felt so good. But you know what's interesting? I don't want it to stop. When I'm old, er, <laughs> had to save that one there. And I've preached my last sermon, ran my last race, fought my last giant, and I'm lying there, and within days I will transition from this world into the next. I still want my son to come up and say, Dad, I love you, and I'm so proud to be your son. It reminds me as a parent, but it also reminds me as a son that my parents need to hear that as well, that it's not just something that's understood between us but that there's actually a very powerful spiritual thing that occurs when i say mom i love you and i can't wait to spend some time with you dad i love you i can't wait to spend some time with you we love them by spending time with them the second thing is we honor them by forgiving them Forgiveness means to let go or send away. To send it away, 
or, or let go, Bo- both of those are they're no longer with you. Now, you may say, Tom, yeah, no idea what I've gone through. And the fact is, you're right, I don't. I may not be able to understand it even if you told me. But God knows what you've gone through. And God knows all about it. When it comes to forgiveness, think of what Jesus went through. Think of the hurt and the abuse that he suffered from all of his children. Jesus is our brother, but he's also our father. He's also the God above over all of us. Think about what we did to him. What did he say at the cross? Father, forgive them. What do you say to the thief? I forgive you. What do you say to the woman caught in adultery? I forgive you. What would he have said to the man? Only they didn't go find the man. I forgive you. You know? Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he himself didn't have to do. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to true forgiveness, it's the innocent party that almost always pays the most. When it comes to true forgiveness... It's those who have been hurt, not the hurters, but those who have been hurt that typically have to pay the highest price in that forgiveness. God knows that. You know what God says? It is a price worth paying. How can you calculate the value of a bitter free heart? How can you calculate the value of an anger free heart? How can you calculate the value of someone who's no longer jailed and caged in the pain of the past and is able to move forward into the glorious future that God has for us? That is why the devil's specialty is unforgiveness. Because the devil knows if you have unforgiveness and anger and bitterness and resentment over something that happened in your past, he can keep you chained to your past. He can keep you looking at your past when God's got something great right around the corner in your future. And God knows a lot of times the person that hurts you the most are the people who are closest to you, the people who love you. And that could be your father and mother. So God says, Honor them by forgiving them. They're broken. They're not perfect. They're riddled with the same sinful nature you are. And as you grow older, you'll begin to see it more and more and more. In some ways, I know if my mom and dad were here, they'd probably go, nah, I don't know about that. But in some ways, my parents now come to me for advice in some things. Not that they're my children. But I've began to see areas of their weaknesses. I've talked to them about it. And so now they're like, you know, I'm like this. How do you think I should handle this? Because I don't want to handle this the way I'm normally like. Like, wow, mom, wow, dad. That's, well, here, here would be my advice, you know. It's very forgiving. It's very empowering when you can forgive. And all of a sudden, all of the power of that pain of the past is broken yeah. under the freedom of forgiveness whether it was a mom, a dad, uncle, aunt, grandpa, grandma, we send it away. And don't give the enemy any more power to keep us locked up in the past. Though the price is steep, the one who forgives will know and experience the blessings of God. One time, uh, I had had a 
somebody in our, uh, the church we came from who was slandering me. Uh, this is, we had just gotten there. We had made very good friends with her. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes up after church and says, this girl is trash-talking you guys. Trash-talking you guys. Not only does she slander me, she gets her whole big family against me, probably 30 people in the family in the church. And all of a sudden, I am like the target of this assassination. And it was over nothing. The previous youth pastor had promised her some things. He had never communicated that to me. So when I came in and didn't make good on those promises, she got mad at me. So I'm under all of this fire and this is a prominent family in the church. And I'm having meetings with my pastor. I'm thinking, I'm going to get fired over this. And I had nothing to do with it. But I just decided, you know what? Whatever's going to be. Was gonna, I tried to work it out. Couldn't work it out. And so time goes on. And I just moved on. And all of a sudden, I get a call from the dad. It says, hey, you know what? We're finding out some of what's going on. And we're really sorry about what we've been thinking about you. And, and, and my, my daughter would like to meet with you. Well, that's fine. So we have this meeting. And she says, how can you ever forgive me? She says, I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me for what I've done? And I said, it's very easy. How can I not forgive you when Jesus has forgiven me of so much? And with that, you could hurt here the turn of the key of the jail door breaking open. And all of a sudden, she was walking out and I was walking out into a whole new freedom. What is God saying to us today? By honoring our father and mother, the good ones and the bad ones. He's saying, let's swing some of those jail doors open because what I have for you in your future is going to far outweigh the pain of the past. Trust me on that one and come and follow me. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. This morning, I think that's the key that that is the best reminder in church. That God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven us. That we are forgiven. And because we are forgiven, we can forgive those who trespass against us. And so this morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to make a very simple invitation. If you have been burned by a father or a mother, an aunt and uncle, grandpa, grandpa, maybe a coach, maybe someone who had a fatherly or motherly role in your life and you know you've been hanging on to some of the bitterness of the past and you'd like to hear that jail door open and you'd like to taste the first fruits of freedom as you forgive and let go and set your heart free from the bitterness. I'd like you to just go ahead and stand up right now. I know it's a bold step. It's a bold first step, but just stand up right now. I'm not saying that you're totally there at that point of forgiveness. It may take a while. It may take months, but you are going to diligently take those steps and say, you know what? I'm tired of being stuck 
in the pain of the past. I'm tired of being stuck in the bitterness of memories. I'm tired of being stuck in the angry recesses of my heart. I want to be free from this. And I know in order to be free, I have to forgive. Just go ahead and stand right now. Amen. Heavenly Father, for all of those standing, I pray that you would begin to work on them right now in this area of forgiveness. God, that the pain as deep as it may have drilled into their soul, God, that you would pull that drill out, you would pull that wound out, you would pull that pain out and begin to shut the doors on the pain of the past. That as we walk out of these cages, Lord, as we walk into freedom, while the jail door opens in front of us, it would shut behind us and allow that pain to forever remain a part of who we were, not who we are and not who we are becoming. For in Christ Jesus, we are all new creations. In Christ Jesus, we are being defined from glory to glory. And so, Lord, I pray right now, just let there be a healing release in Jesus' name. The anger is gone in Jesus' name. They're just broken people. They were wounded. They were hurt. They were suffering. They were not whole. They were not healthy, Lord God. We may have came by our parents, but we don't come from them. We come from you. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray right now that we would be able to release, in Jesus' name, the anger, the tension right now, and that we would walk in a whole new freedom and be able to, in whatever way, honor our father and mother, that we may become blessable, that we may become blessable and receive your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just one more quick invitation. For those of you, you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Nobody is born into Christianity. At some point, we make the choice to make Jesus our Lord. It's a choice you make. If you haven't made that choice, then the chances are he's not. Jesus is a good thought, uh, maybe a good concept, maybe something you've dabbled in, but you've not received his spirit inside of you. And you're saying, you know what? I like to make today the day, the day I make that choice, whether it's a choice of rededication or for the first time to say, you know what? I'm gonna make Jesus my Lord and the forgiver of my sins. Just go ahead and look up at me right now. Make eye contact with me. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, amen, amen. Amen. Why don't we all say this together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. I confess to you, I am broken. I need forgiveness as my parents needed forgiveness. But I ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, and to fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.